0: follow that. Good to see you guys. How are we doing this morning? Man. So great to have you with us today. If you're in the overflow, man, thank you guys for sitting back there. Um, Santan, good to see you, at least virtually somewhere I'm seeing you. I just, you don't know it. Um, If you're watching us online, five o'clock, definitely thanks for coming out, for being a part of what God is doing here. Um, I get the privilege today to just kind of talk through A story hopefully that many of us haven't heard before Um, we're we're gonna look at a passage of Scripture today that I think will be a little bit unique Um, it's kind of out there a little bit so let me warm you up front Um, it's it's designed I think for those kind of the outcast um, the ones who never really feel like they fit in the ones who never really think that man God can't do anything with me that's who we're aiming at this morning and and let me just confess something real quick Um, and I know this is gonna be really hard for you to believe Um, I never wanted to do this, like I never felt like this would be a good idea. I never in my life dreamed, I wasn't the kid who at like seven was you know trying to preach in school and doing stuff like that, I was a kid catching stuff on fire. Um, I never thought that this would happen. Most people if you would go back and talk to them they would like second that, no, Tim would never do this. Um, I, I never wanted to do this because I never felt like I fit in and honestly just between us. I really feel like my life is some type of joke between God and some of the angels, maybe Moses, and they sit around all the time and they're like, check this out, um, and that, that's where I fit. Because I, I never felt like this is what I was supposed to do, and a lot of it has just geared from just what I think of this. Because honestly, when I think of a pastor, I think of someone who talks about Jesus, I think of Lynn. I think of someone like that that can step up and can eloquently say things, and it, it just cuts. Uh, I I think of somebody like Lynn that can walk up here and and he can open the Bible and just, man, you you can leave with just your brain like just throbbing because so much knowledge has just hit. We're gonna leave today and that's not gonna be a problem. Um, I remember my very first, when this hit me, um, I I remember I was volunteering at a church, I was working with their students, their seventh graders and and our youth pastor had just left and I'll I'll never forget this, I remember walking into our pastor's office, this kind of small, Um, church and walked in, and I I just told him basically what I told you, man, I think God wants me to to work with students, I I feel like God wants me to be a pastor, I I feel like this is something I'm supposed to be doing, and I'll never forget this this guy goes, hmm, probably not going to happen in a church that I'm the pastor of, and I thought, dude, did I hear God wrong? Was like it in Hebrew and I just missed the translation somewhere? Because I'm pretty sure he said, "This is Tim, this is what you're supposed to do, and I'll never forget how frustrating that was, thinking, wait a second, um, I'm almost positive this is what God's called me to do. I, I don't know if you've ever been in that, maybe where you felt that you weren't who you're supposed to be, you're not comfortable being you. Today we're going to look at a story, hopefully that changes some of that. So if you've got a Bible, jump with me to the book of Judges, um, Judges 3. If you've never been to the book of Judges before, um, don't feel bad. Start in the left with Genesis, kind of work a couple of books to the right, and you'll you'll find Judges. We're going to be in chapter 3, we're going to look through the story of this guy named Ehud, um, which we're going to walk through his life, we're going to tell you everything we know about this guy, because there's not much, but what we know is powerful. And today, I think it doesn't matter if you feel like you fit in, if you don't feel like you fit in, where that fits, I think this is going to hit all of us if we'll just take a second and kind of let the truth of what's God's Word, kind of just let that kind of resonate in our lives. So we're going to be in um, Judges chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Let's get this story rolling. It starts with this. Once again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. Getting the Ammonites and the Amalekites to join him, Eglon came and attacked Israel, and they took possession of the city of Psalms. I'm sorry, the city of Palms. I've wanted to say that all day. The Israelites were subject to Eglon, king of Moab, for 18 years. So, so let this sink for just a second, and tell me if this doesn't resonate with some of us. Throughout the book of Judges, you have this continual theme where it starts off with, and again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And you need to understand something. When this says that it gave the Israelites over to this king Moab, that wasn't just this weird dictator that charged them taxes that were unfair. He did that, but this was also a king who worshipped child sacrifices. This was a king who, who tried to instill the, the, the thought and the plan of taking babies and, and catching them on fire and burning them. This was a king who imposed his will upon people. This is a king that for 18 years just destroyed the Israelites. This is worse than any type of government figure that we can even comprehend. For 18 years, the Israelites were forced to be submitted to this horrible guy named Eglon. And, and I don't know if this is your life, but I catch myself in this cycle where again, Tim does evil in the eyes of the Lord. <laughs> and it's, it's not that I, I start sacrificing babies, nothing weird like that. I just start pursuing the world instead of God. And it's easy sometimes to forget who God is and to start chasing after the world. And again, The Israelites did evil in front of the eyes of the Lord. And again, the Israelites did something that they probably shouldn't. For 18 years, the best of what they had, they had to give to somebody else. For 18 years, somebody stood in leadership over them, somebody stood in authority over them and just said, give it to me, and they had to to do whatever he said. For 18 years, this guy Eglon ruled them trying to lead them in ways that definitely were, were far from God. Look at verse 15. Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and He gave them a deliverer. This is where theme music should, like, kick in. He gave them a deliverer, Ehud, a left-handed man, the son of Gera, the Benjamite. The Israelites sent him with tribute to Eglon, the king of Moab. So again, 18 years of being suppressed, 18 years of just being oppressed, 18 years of somebody with their thumb on you just, 18 years. And finally, the Israelites get so tired, they cry out to God. I don't know if that sounds familiar. We, we, we hit the world so hard trying to find peace, trying to find joy, trying to find all the things that only God can give. And several years, some of us, it, we're a little hard-headed. It takes 18, 19, 50 80 years before we get so sick of the world that we, we cry out for God. Israelites, in this trip anyway, only took 18. They, they go to God and they're like, God, please, how long does this have to last? How long do we have to, to be under the authority of this guy, Eglon? God, how long do we have to be scared of him coming and taking our kids? How long do we have to give him the best, the hardest things that we work for? How long do we have to do this? God, please, man, we're, we're sorry. God, do something in this, and they beg for God. And he sends them this guy named Ehud, the Benjamite, a left-handed dude. You know Benjamite means son of the right hand? He's left-handed in a group of people known to being son of the right hand. Left-handedness wasn't as cute as it is today. Now we think left-handed people think smarter than right-handed people because y'all are unique in just how God made you. In the day, left-handed was seen as defectiveness. And actually, parents would take, if their kids were left-handed, they would try to train them to use their right hand because left-handed, man, you you just weren't left-handed. How can a left-handed man in a tribe known as the son of the right hand, how can he do anything for God? I don't know if you've ever had these thoughts before. How can God use me? (laughs) Really? God, all the people in the world and you're gonna do something with me. I, I can't imagine that Ehud growing up never thought that he would ever really amount to anything. I mean, can you see, seriously think of it for a second? You're left-handed and your tribe is known for being right-handed. Your tribe is known as the son of the right hand and you're, you're walking through that your entire life constantly, constantly feeling less than what you were built to be. I struggled for so long trying to fit in at churches. My first church, man, God bless them so, I pray for them daily, just for what they had to put up with with me. I I bought like slacks and button ups and ties um, and and I would try so hard to be eloquent when I spoke and I would really, like I would, this is no lie, confession time, I, I had a thesaurus by my desk and I would take the words that I would normally use and I would spend hours like looking for words that were at least this big because I wanted people to think that I was smart. (laughs) Because I knew that the people out there were smarter than I was. And I wanted them to think that just maybe this, maybe he's not as dumb as we think. And I tried so hard to fit in, I was miserable. (laughs) I even remember um, once I finally started getting comfortable with myself as a pastor anyway, I remember somebody Somebody's saying something about Tim. You, you think maybe God spent so much time making you unique, it's kind of a waste of your time to be like everybody else. That, that kind of set in for a little bit. And so I remember we, we planted a church before I moved here, and I'll never forget this day as long as I live. I, I was getting ready, we had church on Saturday. Um, and I remember getting ready for a church that Saturday night, and this dude knocked on my door. So I opened it up, and this guy, and I don't know if, they, if this happens in Arizona, it hasn't happened to me yet. This guy's standing there, and he goes, Hey, how you doing? Um, do you know that if you were to die today, you'd go to hell? I thought, like, whoa, I didn't know that, dude. Thank you so much for telling me, though. <laughs> I'm a little weird. I wanted to mess with him a little bit. I wanted to see how, like just what he knew. I wanted to see why I was going to hell and why he wasn't. I, I just, I wanted to, so, I dialogued with him for a few minutes. And, and he goes through and starts telling me, you know, the plan of salvation, starts telling me who Jesus is, how I'm a sinner, um, and how I'm a filthy sinner, and, and how I'm such a dirty sinner that, man, that I deserve death. Um, And I remember sitting there in that moment, and and finally I I was like, all right, no, I I can't do this (laughs) anymore. Um, Man, I got to go. Actually, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor at this church. Thank you for coming. Dude, I want to pray for you because I got lots of sinners on my block. Dude, definitely hit up my neighbor's house when you leave here. (laughs) That dude needs help. Pray for his dog, too, because that thing never shuts up. Do something there. I'm good. And he gave me these pamphlets, too, which were really cool. One was like a Rubik's cube. You could do like pop and it opened up and it told you who Jesus was and then you fold it again and it said something else. It was really neat. Um, I have no idea what it said because I was more fascinated by all the stuff you could do with it. But I, I gave him back his material and said, hey man, thank you so much. I'm a believer, man, I'm actually, I'm a pastor. Um, And I went through just, in about two minutes, my total doctrinal statement of how Jesus saved me, what I believe about salvation, how I was a sinner, how I knew that I needed help, that I asked God to come into my life to forgive me, and I went through the whole story with him. And I'll never forget, this guy does a lot like the old pastor did. He goes, what type of church would hire you as a pastor? And that really caught me off guard. Cause he was—he looked nice. I mean, he had khakis. He had a like a sweater vest, which I'm not supporting those, but that's what he had. Um, and I remember in that moment going, "Excuse me." Um, and he goes, "What kind of pastor, or what kind of church would hire you as a pastor?" And I go, "No, dude, you don't understand. Um, I trusted Jesus with my life, dude. I remember." And I walked him through it. and He goes, "Son, do you understand today that if you were to die, you'd go to hell?" And I thought, "Dude." Do you understand if you say that again, you're gonna meet Jesus today? (laughs) You're on my porch telling me that this, and it was totally based on how I looked. And I remember in that moment again thinking, why God is this, why'd you do this to me? I wanted to be a zookeeper, I've told you all that before. I wanted to work, and when you look at me, it's much easier to think like zookeeper (laughs) than it is to think pastor of a church. I wonder how many times Ehud woke up and heard all of the jokes and had all of the people give him the, (laughs) really? I wonder how many times he walked through that as a daily basis on a, just a normal day. I wonder how many times he was ridiculed, how he was made fun of. If you look at the next part of this, at the end of verse 15, um, it it says that they would send him, um, the Israelites sent him with a tribute to, to Eglon the king of Moab. I, I wondered why. I-, I wondered if that was because Ehud was seen as disposable. I mean, he's worthless, right? He's a left-handed guy and the son of the right hand. He, he doesn't really fit in. So if he-, if he makes the king mad and he kills him, I mean, it's not like we lost anybody important. Worst case scenario, he comes back home and we have to send him again next season. They, they took the best of what they had and they sent it with this guy that most likely was disposable to the king. No, anybody could walk into that and do what a lot of us do, what I did for so many years, walk into that, God, why'd you make me (sighs) left-handed? Serious? Why couldn't I be in the tribe of the left-handed people? Why can't I be like him? Why can't I have a voice that's eloquent? Why can't I pick up a guitar and do what Ryan does? Why do I pick up a guitar and it sounds not like a guitar anymore? Ehud was different. Ehud understands something, and and I, I think if we can make this shift in just how we think, it could radically change us. What if we stopped looking at things that we saw as defectiveness in our life, and we started looking at those exact same things, not as defective, but as unique? Maybe God didn't make you defective. Maybe He built you to be unique because He has a specific plan for you that nobody else can carry out. Look at what's next in this. Verse 16. Now, Ehud had made a double-edged sword that was about a foot and a half long, which he strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. This is important. Back in the day, most of these swords were kind of two and a half, about two, two and a half feet long, and they were kind of sickle-shaped. None of them were double-edged. They were all single-edged swords, and they had kind of this curvature blade, and they weren't made for stabbing. They were made more for hacking. This describes Ehud making a sword that's about a foot and a half long, that's double-sided, and and he straps it to his his right thigh. Think this through again. He straps it to his right thigh because he's left-handed. He's going to pull his sword from his right thigh. The normal person would have strapped their sword to their left thigh and they would have pulled it out this way because they're right handed. The last thing you want to do is kind of pull your sword out this way and cut your pants off. That's not good for anybody. So you'd strap it to your left thigh. Ehud wasn't doing that though. He straps it to his right thigh because he's left handed. He makes a sword that's a little bit smaller, that's double-aged, that's designed to stab. That's going to be important. Look in verse 17. He presented the tribute to Eglon, the king of Moab, who was a very fat man. That's funny, so we're coming back to that. After Ehud had presented the tribute, he sent, them on the, um, he sent on their way the men who had carried it. At the idols near Gilgal, he himself turned back and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. The king said, quiet, and all of his attendants left him. Ehud then approached him while he was sitting in the upper room of his summer palace And he said, I have a message from God for you. As the king rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand, drew his sword from his right thigh, and he plunged it into the king's belly. So cool. Even the handle sank in after the blade, which came out of his back. Ehud did not pull the sword out, and the fat closed in over it. Now, if you read some translations of this, it says that when Ehud stabbed the king that his bowels released. It's gross, but it's also important for what's about to happen next in the story. You understand, if Ehud hadn't been defective, if he had would have been right-handed like everybody else, they would have caught that. You don't just walk into the king of Moab. You don't just walk into King Eglon, Eglon's presence and just be like, hey, what's up? No, it's like going to, through the airport. It's like TSA. They're strapping you down. You're walking through metal detectors. They're hitting you with wands. They're making you get naked and checking. They're doing everything to make sure you're not bringing a weapon into the king. Most likely because nobody would have put a sword on their, their, their right thigh. Nobody would have done that because nobody's left-handed. At least it's gonna bring a tribute to the king. So most likely when Ehud walked into the king's presence, they checked his left leg, made sure that there was nothing there. And they let him go in. Somewhere in Ehud's life, when they said, hey, you're gonna take the tribute before King Eglon, somewhere in there, he said, maybe I'm not defective. Maybe I'm left-handed because nobody else could sneak a sword in and not cut their hand off. Maybe because God has built me this way, I can go into a place and do something that nobody else could do. I've noticed that just in my life, um, God's given me a lot of opportunities to talk to people that really don't like to go to church. And I know this sounds weird as a pastor. um, I really like people that don't like church. I love talking to them. They're some of my favorite people to hang out with. I feel more comfortable on the back of a motorcycle riding somewhere than I do sitting here sometimes. I I love people who don't feel comfortable in church. And and what I've noticed is when I tried to be this suit, um, people who don't like church usually don't like people in suits. (laughs) And God's given me so many opportunities to go in and to talk to people that normal people can't really have a conversation with because they don't get a chance. I met a guy a few years ago, Um, weird dude, I'll just be honest. One of the weirdest guys I've ever met, which coming from me, that says a lot. Um, His name's Barney. Barney's a friend of mine. If you ever get to San Antonio, Texas, you need to meet my friend Barney. Um, Barney runs a toilet seat museum (laughs) in San Antonio, Texas. Um, And you're like, toilet seat museum? Yeah, if you ever get there, it's, it's amazing. It's like the best five bucks you'll ever spend. He builds toilet seats. He's got like 900 of them in his, in his museum. He's got one from The View. He's got Maury Povich. He's got Arsenio Hall. He's got all these famous people's toilet seats. He's got somehow, and I don't know how, and I couldn't get him to explain it to me, somehow he has a piece of Saddam Hussein's toilet when they blew it up. He's got a chunk of that toilet seat in his little museum somewhere. Barney... Um, really loves toilet seats, which is weird, dude's crazy about Jesus. He uses that museum to attract college students, because believe it or not, once you know that it's there, it's kind of one of those things that you can't turn away from that you're like, all right, i got to go check it out now. Um, I guarantee when you guys, if any of you drive through San Antonio, you're going to be on your phone going, toilet seat museum, and you should. Barney uses that as a way to get people in the door that would never step foot in church, and he tells them how much Jesus loves them and how God built him unique so that he could be a voice to people who would never step foot in a building. And that toilet seat museum is his church. <laughs> and this crazy old man that look <laughs> got that when you're walking up to the front uses how God made him unique to do something crazy for his kingdom. What would happen if you and I did what Ehud did. We stopped complaining about our defectiveness and we started using the unique way that God built us to do something. Look at what's next in this. Verse 23. Then Ehud went onto the porch, he shut the doors of the upper room behind him and he locked them. After the servants had gone, the servants came and found the doors of the upper room locked. They said he must be relieving himself in the room of his house. It's gross. Remember when he stabbed him, stuff fell out and it smells. So the guards, this has to be one of the craziest parts in all scripture, the guards are standing on the other side of the door going, that is nasty, what is he doing? Verse 25, they waited to the point of embarrassment. So wanna talk about that. Um, I'm a youth pastor, so this this is killing me right here to run past that. Um, They waited to the point of embarrassment. Man, But when he didn't open the doors of the room, they took a key and unlocked it. Can't you just see them, dude? You unlock it. I ain't touching that door. <laughs> Kiss some Febreze or something. Um, sorry, that's all I'm doing right there. Um, they used the key, unlocked the door. They saw that their lord had fallen to the floor dead. While they waited, Ehud got away. He passed by the idols and escaped to Syria. Where he arrived there, he blew a trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went down with him from the hills, with him leading the way. Follow me, he ordered, for the Lord has given Moab your enemy into your hands. So they followed him down, taking possession of the fords of the Jordan that led to Moab, they allowed no one to cross over. And that's important because then the Moabites couldn't send for reinforcements. So that, that's that's crazy strategic. At the time they struck down ten thousand Moabites, all vigorous and strong, not a man escaped. That day Moab was made subject to Israel and the land had peace for 80 years. What if you're really not defective? What if you're unique? What if you today stopped complaining about things in your life and started using those situations in your life to reach out and to tell people about Jesus? Let me help for a minute. How can God, use a divorced mom of four to do anything for His kingdom? How can God use somebody that struggled with drugs their entire life to do something crazy for God's kingdom? How can God use the maintenance man at a school to do something crazy for His kingdom? How can God use a teenager that nobody listens to to do something for His kingdom? How can God take a shaggy headed 44 year old man that would rather play Xbox and ride a motorcycle than do much of anything else and do something for his kingdom? What if you're not defective? What if you're unique? What if God specifically designed you in that moment The moment that you were being formed and you were being built and he gave you these unique qualities that he didn't give anybody else. You understand in this moment, in this story that God could have done, he could have sent anybody. He could have made Chuck Norris come down in this moment instead of waiting 2,000 years. This could have been the birth of Bruce Lee. This could have been the birth of Chuck Liddell. This could have been the birth of anybody that wrecked shop for a living and instead it was a left-handed defective man named Ehud. And God specifically chose him out of everybody else in the world to step into this environment and to use his unique qualities to do something crazy for the kingdom. What if we stopped making excuses and we started just using these unique qualities? Some of you guys have some really weird talents. Maybe not as weird as Barney. Uh, What if we started using those for his kingdom? What if we stopped complaining and just said, God, if you're gonna send me into this, then use me. If this is where I'm going, God, I'm yours. I I love the end of this and I don't know if you've caught it because it's kind of subtle. In verse 30 it says, Moab was made subject to Israel and the land had peace for 80 years. I honestly believe that if we would stop complaining about what we think is wrong with us and we would start doing what God has built us to do, that future generations would receive blessings because of us. You you understand that right now this is a future blessing of a past generation that sacrificed, why do we have to do church in a school? Why can't I go to church in a normal building? And future generations before us, future families before us, set up, tore down, built this much like they're doing in Santan and they'll be doing in Scottsdale very soon so that we could do this. And it's because people stopped complaining about defects, realized that it was unique and did something crazy. This morning as I read this, I I think this. um, I think there's some of us here that struggle with the fact that God could ever use you because there's something that you did. (laughs) Tim, you you don't understand. I get it that God could use Ehud. Um, I mean, I, I get he was probably a little messed up but I have this. God, I I get to him that that God could use you, but how could God use me? I get that God could use, he built you. He specifically designed you, created you, all for one single purpose. That's to point towards him and to do it in the most unique way possible. Maybe this morning that's the truth that you needed to hear is that God loves you not because of you but because of him. And you're not defective, you're unique. (laughs) And maybe it's time, men, that we stop coming up with excuses as to why we can't lead our family and we start using the talents and the abilities that God gave us to lead our family. Ladies, maybe it's time that you start using the talents and the abilities that God has given you to step up and to show the next generation of women what it looks like to be a godly young lady. Students, maybe it's time that we stop complaining about the generation ahead of us and we start leading in a way that makes the generation ahead of us jealous? What if you're not defective but unique? Let me pray for us. God, thank you for um, the story of Ehud. God, I thank you for the, the fact that um, when you look for people to use, God, that you don't look necessarily for those qualified, you don't look for the best equipped, you just look for somebody who's gonna be obedient. God, I thank you for the fact that when you, you looked down god 18 years ago into my life you didn't look for somebody that was qualified you just looked for somebody who was willing to step up and say you know what i'm I'm messed up and i'm I'm a mess up but if you'll use me god i'm yours jesus in this moment will you help those in this room because god there's too many of us in here to not have someone that feels like they can't do anything for you because of a past mistake or because of something that they've deemed as a defect in their life God, in this moment, would you remind all of us of the fact that you specifically chose us and put us in the environments that we are to shine and to not complain about defectiveness, God, but to use unique qualities to point towards you. So God, in this moment, would you remind all of us of one simple but basic truth, and that's you love us. And it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with you. God, help us today to walk out of this place, use the unique qualities you've given us to change this part of the world. God, would you do something crazy through us and allow all of it to point towards Jesus in his beautiful name.